and welcome. This is Trials and Tribulations. I'm Phil Airy and I've got my two cohorts. Sarah Owen Hughes and me, Faith Douglas. Episode 13, uh, Phil and I were talking about luxuries in life that we're now no longer prepared to compromise on. And one of the things we both talked about was coffee. We both said that coffee was something we were no longer prepared to have instant cheap coffee. We would rather have one really great coffee a week than have 40 disappointing ones. And it led me to think about coffee because obviously it's a plant. And, you know, therefore it's it's brilliant in, by definition. And I wondered if I knew anybody who was an expert on coffee. And as luck would have it, I'm now talking to um, Vicky Weddle, who I've not seen face to face for probably 30 years, Vicky. It's so lovely to see you. It must be about 30 years, which is quite scary when you think about it. But yeah, it's so nice to see you again. Thank you. Well, we, we grew up in the same village. We went to the same school and we went to dance classes together for many years, didn't we? We did, we did. Many a car trip together to those uh, ballet lessons. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and in fact, when, when I was at university, your Dutch pen friends came and stayed with me for a week and then came and stayed with you for a week as well, I think. I think, you, were you in Edinburgh? Is that right? Yes, I was in Edinburgh. Yes, yeah. yes. And you were in Manchester. I was in Manchester. He ate fish and chips for the whole week, every single night. Yeah. Yeah, the fish and chip shop at the end of the road couldn't believe this huge Dutch guy coming in going, I need your fish and chips. <laughs> so, so, Vicky, you've you've had an absolutely extraordinary um, life. You've you've lived in amazing places. You've done some incredible things. And um, and coffee has sort of found you, hasn't it? So you now own your own micro roastery called Money Row Beans. And um, t- tell me a little bit about how you managed to get there. What what happened on your journey? Well, yes. Yeah, so um, uh, having a coffee company was definitely not on my radar about 10 years ago. I had no idea this was going to happen. Um, I was uh, teaching English as a foreign language um, and happily doing so. Um, and about it was in 2011, um, with my husband's job, we moved out to Dubai. Um, and I did a bit of teaching work out there for a few years, just part time, and it was all going fine. But then I started thinking I wanted to do something else. Um, I thought, oh, I'd always quite fancied the idea of maybe having a, a coffee shop one day. So I thought, well, I'll do a, I'll do a coffee course, uh, learn about coffee, and then I'll do a tea course, learn about tea, and then I'll learn about food, and then I'll come back to the UK and have a little coffee shop. Well, I did a barista skills course and started to learn about coffee, and I just got completely hooked. Um, it was just the whole the whole world of everything from the community around it, the people involved from all over the world. Uh, it was the uh, the science of it was really fascinating. There's always something to learn, and I started getting involved in the barista championships and the coffee competitions as a volunteer in Dubai and hanging out with coffee people, um, and ended up uh, getting a job with an amazing company called Raw Coffee, um, who uh, one of the first speciality coffee roasters in the region there and uh, started helping them with their training department because I had a teaching background and so I helped them with their training uh, content and they helped me learn more about coffee Um, and it really went from there and 
yeah, has spent uh, some nice <laughs> some nice years in Dubai um, with some amazing coffee people, and then uh, we moved back to the UK in summer of 2019. And I was determined I was going to carry on with my coffee mission, just learning more about coffee and wanted to do something. Wasn't quite sure where exactly it was going to lead me. Um, and I was fortunate enough to go to Ethiopia uh, in 2019. Wow. With, uh, uh, to, it was amazing. It was an amazing trip. Um, I helped organize a, um, a two-week uh, barista and roaster coffee experience um, in a in a place called Sheka, um, owned by um, uh, an amazing woman called Heliana George Alice, and she was one of the coffee suppliers to the company I was working for in Dubai. That's how I met her. She was looking for someone to help her organise this experience, and basically it was an opportunity to go to Origin. I mean, Ethiopia it's the birthplace of coffee, Arabica coffee. So it was really amazing to get hands on, learn more about um, the realities of growing coffee. Um, and uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful place. Had an amazing experience. Um, and yeah, since then I've just been been doing more coffee related things. And I decided to start my own business. And I uh, had planned to focus mainly on events, um, but obviously that didn't really happen uh, with COVID and lockdown. And in the meantime, I'd been uh, pottering about in what I call my coffee shed in the backyard. Um, roasting small amounts of coffee um, just uh, uh, playing with coffee and, and eventually I started supplying to people locally delivering to people in lockdown and it grew and local support was really great and I just would actually really enjoy roasting coffee so um, I just uh, then I decided I needed to roast more than I could on my little machine in my shed so I rented uh, a friend who's a roaster, rented his machine in London, um, went to London, roasted loads of coffee. <laughs> um, that was when lockdown hit. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, so things things sort of changed a bit and I just did things more locally. And then, um, yeah, as things started to develop a bit more, uh, I decided maybe I wanted to um, have my own place to roast the coffee. And uh, I now have a... a uh, micro roastery not far from my home and uh, I've got a five kilo roasting machine and um, I'm loving it it's uh, I, ro I roast every week and I sell my coffee at markets and it's a mixture of farmers markets and other and other events and at the local pub I do coffees down there supply to a couple of local businesses now and a um, and a, and a really nice new coffee shop so yeah it's a it's a it's been a an amazing an amazing uh last couple of years really yeah it's just it's just fantastic what an amazing story it's uh i just i'd love hearing it i, I just think it's a, a fantastic that you've found something that really sings to you and uh and, and just seeing the joy in your face as well is is magical it's really lovely to see when you found something that makes you feel happy it's not really a job is it and i know i see your posts online that you're up early at farmers markets most weekends and you deliver your coffee to your neighbours and obviously you post it as well because we've enjoyed it up here as well um, which has been fantastic uh, now from the horticultural point of view is it the arabica beans that you use the kafir arabica Yes, it's all Arabica uh, coffee that I um, that I use that I roast. Um, it's from different origins, mm -hmm. um, but it's all uh, speciality grade um, Arabica coffee. Yeah. So it's all growing at above thousand meters above sea level. It's that slower uh, maturation period, so the, the the coffee cherries are taking that bit longer to mature because less oxygen and a uh, bit more sensitive to to the surroundings. Whereas mm -hmm. uh, robusta coffee, as you 
you probably already know robusta coffee grows lower altitudes a lot more hardy it's got higher caffeine content double the caffeine which is the natural pesticide so these um speciality arabica coffees do require a bit more care and attention yeah. so um uh, yeah, and those are the ones that I'm I'm working with. So you you get a much more refined flavour from them. You get a much finer bean, don't you? But you also um, they are much more susceptible to uh, pollution and climate change. So they're a harder plant to grow, aren't they? So that's what makes them yeah. so special. Yes, they are. They are, and they they are. I mean, depending on um, uh, depending on the origin and the environment, yeah. There's so many factors that will uh, will affect the coffee plants. So some some uh, and and then there's in different parts of the world you have different ways of farming. So you might have huge scale mechanical harvesting happening in one area with rows and rows of coffee plants in in sunlight. But a lot of the uh, coffees will grow in shaded or partially shaded areas in amongst uh, trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's so many varietals more than I could possibly ever remember and new ones developing and there's there's lots of research going on now to to develop uh, hybrids that are um that taste great but also are naturally um able to be uh, uh pest free um and uh, yeah it's really uh, it's it's really interesting to see the different environments where where the coffee grows and how people um you know, you might have a small holder, a really small, it has a really small patch, and then they become part of a, a cooperative that work together to, to process their coffee at a mill. Um, um, so the, the Gorilla Conservation Coffee um, social enterprise that I'm um, helping represent here in the UK, they have a cooperative of over, well, it's, it's a social enterprise of over 500 farmers who each one has a relatively small area that they'd be covering. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, between them, they, they all combine to produce quite a lot of coffee. So, um, um, yeah, it's, and, and in speciality coffee, one of the things is checking the quality of the coffee at every, every stage. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, while, the, while the coffee's growing and the harvesting process um, and then the processing, whether it's washing or drying the coffee um, and then the roasting, there's care at every stage to check for defects, to check for ripeness, to check for um, evidence of uh, insects. And, yeah, there's a lot of care that, that goes into growing those coffee plants, yeah. Fantastic. So, obviously, as a, as a horticulturist, it's not a bean that you're using in coffee, is it? And the cherry that you just talked about as well, I think would confuse... I think a lot of people don't actually know what coffee is. And, and yeah, is it a bean in a pod? So, could you explain that? Yeah, so um, so yeah, you're right. That so uh, coffee uh, coffee plants uh, have a a, a a flower which is like a, a jasmine like flower. It's beautiful, single uh, white flowers, aren't they? Yeah, single white flowers, and then uh, and then the uh, cherries will develop. They're small, um, sort of oval shaped uh, cherries. Fruit, and there are yeah. different colours. Yeah, I mean, they usually would um, they would go red when they're ripe, but there are some yeah. yellows and some pinks, and there are other other colours of uh, other varietals. But uh, for the majority of, of they'd be red um and then inside those cherries um there'd be the, the what we call the beans but the seeds it's the seed yeah 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 the seed. and there's there's usually um there's usually two inside each cherry um two little ones facing each other with the flat <laughs> the flat bit together um but it, but they're not always two sometimes there's just one and it's it's rounder and that's called a peaberry Okay. Um, you can get those. Yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're not as common, um, but uh, so there's usually two. But sometimes you'll get just one, which is a peaberry. So obviously, um, the the ripe fruit, the ripe cherry, when it's 
perfectly ripe, that means that the seed, the, the bean or the embryo, is, is perfectly ready, which means it's got all of those chemicals that you discover when you roast it. So, so how do you get the cherry off, off the bean? Yeah, so that's well. There's there's a there's a number of methods that are used, and sometimes the choice of method will depend on what's available at the at, at the place at the where the where the coffee is going to be processed. So um, the cherries are picked, and then they are uh, usually the first thing that will happen is that they're that they're washed, um, either in water from the river or if there's a good supply of water flowing, then they'll they'll have uh, they'll have water from somewhere else, somewhere supplied. Um, but where I went in Ethiopia, it was literally people collecting. Uh, buckets of water from the river and washing it in uh, washing up bowls uh, and at that stage um, you can see um, they can filter off uh, the coffee uh, the coffee cherries that are um, underripe or underdeveloped they float to the top so they'll skim those ones off um, and um, yeah so they'll wash the cherries usually and then there's the the two main processes then are all about um, getting flavour from that fleshy, juicy part of the fruit into the beans, mm-hmm. into the seeds. So um, one method which is used in many, many places is called the natural uh, processing method or sun-dried method, where the cherries will either be dried on a raised uh, bed, um, just left out in the sun, uh, in, in the normal, whatever the weather is, and turned from time to time to prevent um, mould appearing. And that's um, obviously doesn't require a lot in terms of equipment, but it does, uh, for specialty coffee, require a lot of attention in, in the sense of turning. The cherries will be turned every day to prevent mould developing. And if it rains, you know, they don't want to be sitting in the rain, so they'll have to cover it and then uncover it. So it depends on what's happening with the weather. So that's the that's the the natural sun dried method and it could be there for a couple of weeks like that uh, 12 days let's say but maybe longer they're waiting for those and then the cherries will go from red to a sort of darker darker brown color um um and uh then then the, then there are then they would be hulled would be the next process to remove the outer part of the fruit but while this while the while the cherry's been drying all of those flavors will be being soaked into those uh and into the coffee beans um uh, the other method is um, uh, is known as washed uh, process, um, where the uh, cherries are uh, they would sit in tanks of water, and depending on the scale of the processing plant, whether it's a sort of small place or a big place, they'll vary in size and how and how much is in each tank. Um, and there'll be a fermentation process that'll happen while the cherry's sitting in that water. Uh, and again, that's about those um, those flavours coming into the into the bean. And this does reflect in the flavour of the coffee. So mm. some coffees are fruitier and higher in acidity, maybe a sort of cleaner tasting, and some are more uh, have are heavier in body and more fruity tasting. Um, and depending on the processing method, you'll get different flavours in your coffee. There's also um, a honey process, uh, which is about uh, removing. Uh, which sometimes what you do is you'll you'll remove uh, some of the outer fruit, and then there's a mucilage that sticks to the mm-hmm. um, sticks to the, the bean, like you get that fleshy part on the mango stone that mm-hmm. sticks there, and and you know they'll be sticky, and they'll sit 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 with that and store um, and keep the keep the keep the beans in that to sort of try and get some of those fruity flavours in. Um, so yeah, and, and, and there's lots of experiments that happen to try different methods to try and get uh, different flavours in, in the coffee.
Yeah, it's um, incredibly it's, complex, isn't it? Who'd have thought it? <laughs> yeah, so it's, and, and, you know, sometimes there's, uh, you know, aerobic and anaerobic uh, fermentation and, mm-hmm. and different experiments with, with those kind of things. But the, the main ones are either just drying in the sun and then removing the outside or fermenting in water. And, and you get the you get the beans at that stage then, don't you? So they they've been dried off. They are they're effectively we, they call them green, don't they? Because they're yeah. they are just yeah, they're... uncooked yeah. seeds <laughs> that have arrived in the post. <laughs> and you you obviously get them from yeah. your different places. And what do you what do you do with them? Yeah, so when they arrive, they're usually um, in a in a sack that most people recognise. But inside that sack, they're usually in a a grain pro bag, which will help. Uh, retain help protect the the beans and help them retain the right level of moisture because you do want some moisture in there not too much that go moldy mm-hmm. but enough to keep uh, to keep them alive essentially the yeah. uh, the embryos so um so then yeah so they arrive and then when you open the sack there's a kind of grassy smell mm-hmm. a fresh uh, vegetative smell uh, that you wouldn't normally associate with uh, coffee at no. all um and the the beans are the seeds are really really dense and hard uh, so you can't sort of break them with your fingers and um and you wouldn't be able to make a very nice cup of coffee with them <laughs> couldn't grind them in the same way and they wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be able to and then when you you know getting the past the roasting process into the brewing of your coffee yeah you need those uh, soluble compounds to be able to come out in your cup so uh so yeah, <laughs> so, so you, you put them into your roast your, your roaster. So I presume that you can choose whether to roast it lightly or more densely. Does that just involve more time or a higher temperature to get them cooked? Yeah. yeah so essentially, when you when you roast uh, coffee, it's um, um, it's you go from these. It's, it's to do with the exothermic and endothermic things happening, but it's it's. Uh, it's a bit like when you there's a process that happens which is a bit like uh, when you make popcorn. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, uh, popcorn reaches a stage where it has to pop and expand. Uh, coffee beans similarly, you 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 uh, you're heating them to to you know add, putting energy into them, um, and then they they do expand uh, during the roast roasting process, and they do uh, they call it first crack and second crack. There's a there's a cracking popping sound you hear when they expand and then there's a reaction called the Maillard reaction which is then all the sort of the compounds developing all the sort of sh- hopefully sugary caramel flavors are coming through um but if you go too far and roast them for too long um then that's when um well obviously go too far you burn them and mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but, um, but, but there's a stage past that second crack where some of the oils can start to to come out of the beans that maybe you don't want to come out so yeah. uh, depending on what you're aiming for yeah you can you can roast light medium dark uh, you can play with the roast time the temperature um but you definitely want to get it to that crack so that the, the coffee beans uh, are developing flavor and the, the the smell that comes out it, it doesn't smell of roast coffee to begin with does it so it's quite hard to judge by sniff yeah i think judging by sniff would be sort of hard to hard to do really but you can as as the so as the as the beans change, they go from sort of pale green colour, then they start to go a yellowy colour, and they look a bit like peanuts, mm-hmm. um, and then and then they start to go brown. Um, and uh, yeah, the smell that you'll get not, a lot of vapour is released when the when the beans crack. But there's there's there's, there's also there's almost a kind of a malty smell to mm-hmm. roasting coffee, mm. um, or a hoppy smell. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Um, and then of course. 
the, one of the main gases that's released uh, through the roasting process and after the beans are roasted is uh, yeah, fresh coffee release, freshly roasted coffee releases carbon dioxide. Um, and um, uh, so you know, when, when you see people you know, making a, a cup of espresso and there's that crema on the top, mm. you know, the little bubbles in there, that's, that's uh, carbon dioxide. And the fresher your co- fresh, more freshly roasted your coffee is, the more of that you will get. Oh, wow. Um, so, um, but that, but generally most people say to rest your coffee a bit after roasting before you actually brew it yeah uh, too much of that can can you know mess with the texture of your coffee it's a bit like eating bread straight out of the oven isn't it it's not it's actually smells delicious but it's actually not great for you and it's still you know there's there's still all those reactions happening within it it needs to rest a little bit and 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 calm down a bit So two two last questions because we're we're running very short on time and I'm very aware that you're giving up your your evening you're sat in sat waiting for a child to come out of sport aren't you which I do appreciate um uh, gorilla coffee so tell me a little bit about what you're doing with your gorilla conservation work so um uh, I met a I met a lady at a at a local networking event who um put me in touch with somebody who she'd heard speaking um uh, a lady called Dr Gladys Sikasoka she is based in Uganda she was the Uganda's first uh Uganda Wildlife Authority's first vet and she um she has developed uh, uh she's been part of developing a, a program called conservation through public health um they work in an er- in an area called Bwindi in Uganda uh it's a place where um coffee grows <laughs> and uh, there are coffee farmers and it's a, it's a place where uh, the endangered mountain gorillas also live in the in the in the forest there it's, it's a windy impenetrable forest um and as part of this uh, part of the health program she was uh, developing to do with uh, humans and gorillas living side by side she, they've also um, created a social enterprise called gorilla conservation coffee and uh, the idea behind this is to uh, support the coffee farmers and also to uh, help protect the habitat of the gorillas. So what Gorilla Conservation Coffee do is they support the farmers in sustainable farming methods, training them in how to produce and grow coffee, uh, check for quality and uh, to grow uh, great coffee. And they buy their green beans from them at 50 cents above the going rate per kilo. Um, and then uh, they and then they sell uh, the coffee to people like me who mm-hmm. who will roast it for them. So uh, they all sell the roasted coffee, but also I've just started buying the green beans from them and importing them. Um, and I roast the coffee here now, um, and it's called Kanyonyi coffee. And uh, uh, by roasting it here in the UK, I can supply it fresher, which is great. Yeah. But also by importing the green beans, um, it means that I can um, I can also uh, sell the coffee here and donate some money back to conservation through public health to help them with the work that they're doing there. And um, uh, it's been going. I've, I've been uh, I've had one batch of green beans in. I'm expecting more soon. Um, I started off by shipping in the um, the roasted coffee, mm-hmm. which um, really helped them at a time when the ecotourism that normally be happening, people visiting Uganda yeah. over the past year, they just haven't had, obviously, for obvious reasons, they haven't yeah. had the, the, the tourism going in and the people um, uh, visiting them and, and to buy the coffee and to learn about their work. So it was a way of them reaching the UK um, their supporters in the UK. Um, so I'm really, really pleased I've been able to help them with that. I'm proud to be doing it. And it's really at my eyes to the whole, I've always been into the people connected with coffee, but I'm 
now more into the communities where the coffee comes from and the environment and the natural world where coffee grows so it's uh it's been a great thing to be involved in so far i'm hoping to hoping to can continue and do more with it over the next fantastic year and year. you're the only person who does this in the uk aren't you you're the only person who brings in yeah. their beans um, yes i'm the only person in the uk to have gorilla conservation coffee so it's really i'm really quite proud it happened happened through some connections of uh, local lovely uh, business women here and i'm really happy it did it was just by chance through a conversation um through knowing somebody and they, they put me in touch because they were looking for somebody who was um into coffee in the uk and uh, they're amazing people doing amazing work and i'm really hoping that once it's safe to do so i can go out there and visit and learn more about what they're doing there and share and share more of the story here but uh, they do have a really fascinating uh, website the gorilla conservation coffee uh, team and so there's lots of information on there people are interested to find out more so you've got your gorilla coffee you've got your other coffees that you roast as well you have a range of them don't you uh, you know according yes. to flavor profile yes yes so i so i so i roast i roast other coffees um it, i tend to have a couple of blends that i uh, change seasonally depending on what's available um, but I usually do a couple of blends and some single origins and those are the ones that I uh, usually sell at local farmers markets and mm-hmm. um, that people can buy on the website and also um, yeah I'm hoping as I'm hoping as things move forward as well as things open up I'll be able to do a few little coffee experiences and invite people to come to the roastery and and, and see how the coffee's roasted which would be really really great so uh, that would be um, fantastic I'd love to do that uh, yeah, you have to come. I will. I will. Nice. I, will. Yeah. I will. I will venture venture back south. Obviously, I used to live down yeah. that way, but yeah, it's been it's been a while since I've been down there. Um, yeah. There's there's a possible oh, there's a possibility I'm going to be involved with um, something at the Chelsea Flower Show this year with a former student. So that would be quite oh, exciting. Wow. That'd I, be really exciting. Yeah, I, I, he's not going to get away with not letting me be there. Basically, <laughs> if he's building a garden. I'm going to be there, and I've promised yes. I won't lick any of the celebrities. <laughs> not to be, not to begin with. <laughs> so, so my final. We we talked a little bit the last time we spoke um, about decaffeination, which I found quite fascinating because at this yeah. time of day, I, I wouldn't drink a caffeinated coffee. Um, and you were explaining that that was um, a chemical or a water-based process where they're washing away the the caffeine, but the the, the process strips out a little bit of the flavour and the complexities of the coffee so again a bit like instead of having cheap instant it's probably better if you want that fuller flavour to have one really nice caffeinated coffee at the beginning of the day and save the decaf for afternoons when you're absolutely desperate for a coffee fix yeah maybe i think i think certainly with a lot of the decaf coffee that i had tasted in the past i mean i I was never really didn't ever taste the same to me and i think partly that was because of the solvents that were used in 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 some of the bigger processing uh coffee processing um places that they would they'd be using uh chemicals to to dissolve out the caffeine which either left residual flavors that Mm -hmm. weren't nice or as you say stripped out some of the natural um compounds that would have given the nice flavors Mm. um and i've had have heard some people say that decaffeinated coffee can make them feel unwell and i and i do wonder whether it's to do with those solvent chemicals yeah i would imagine um, so yeah yeah but but there are some there i mean as you say there's the swiss water method which is um essentially using yeah water to dissolve the caffeine and i think the idea is that the the, the beans i mean they're, de- they're decaffeinated before the roasting mm-hmm. um so they're green beans um and i and 
my understanding is that the, whatever is being used to dissolve the uh, there's a solution that you would use that would either be water or would be um, uh, carbon dioxide is also used and also ethyl acetate actually derived from um, plants just sugar cane that can be used in a in a solution to dissolve the caffeine out of the coffee beans um, and my understanding is that by them soaking in that solution um, the, the, some of the flavor compounds. The, well, the, the the idea is that they wouldn't lose too much of mm. the flavor, but it would stay in that solution and, and therefore stay soaking in the in the in the bean. But um, it's a very it's a very clever process, and I'd, I'd love to see it. You know actually in person happening i've watched a few videos of it but i've never been involved in the process myself but i think it's something that people are caring more about now so yeah. you know a lot of my customers um who are health conscious or or as you say want caffeine in the morning but not in the afternoon they want to have a nice decaffeinated coffee but they want to have one that's um decaffeinated in a way that's not going to be harmful to them yeah. or to the environment yeah. So, yeah yeah definitely definitely and in fact decaffeinated tea is even harder to find one that's drinkable because again you're soaking yeah. you're treating leaves and they're so much more fragile but yeah. but yeah definitely yeah. Find, finding a good decaf coffee is um is a bit of a mission isn't it yeah. my, my final final i promise this is my final question for you which <laughs> might be a longer answer than uh, than i anticipate is in in your view what is the best way of making a cup of coffee oh wow that's a... <laughs> well i suppose the short version is the best way to make coffee is just using the tools you have. You don't have, you don't necessarily need expensive equipment. You, you don't have to have fancy gadgets. Essentially, to make a cup of coffee, if you've got a good coffee bean, if you've got good quality coffee, um, good water, so uh, water that doesn't taste of chlorine and, mm-hmm. and nasty things like that. If you've got good, 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 uh, good coffee and good water, and a way of heating that water and a way of grinding the coffee. Then you're then you should be should be set. So, um, but I think really for me personally, I prefer a simple filtration method. Just ground coffee, and then water poured over the top, um, so the water drips through. That's my preferred go-to. I really love that as a way of making coffee. And there's something about doing a pour-over brew, which is a bit it's the ceremony of it, uh, it's the pouring, and I, I like that watching the coffee drip through but i know it can become a real obsession for people especially with espresso the whole um science behind it it's there's so much so much to go into but i think the simple ways are the best a french press cafetiere mm-hmm. um and it's so easy to do wherever you are you just need your coffee and your water and yeah. it's, it's very easy to do anywhere um yeah i think it's uh, simple ways are the best i think but freshly ground coffee is 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 definitely recommended if you've got a way of grinding the coffee fresh um then that's uh, that, makes, that will give you more more flavor makes yeah. a huge difference doesn't it and of course as well the ground the grounds once you've finished with them you can put them straight yes. into your compost heap so it's all you good can. back you into can. the earth yes, you can Yes, you can sprinkle a little bit here and there, and yeah, mix it in. It's 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 definitely good, and uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of people now who are you know reusing their coffee grounds in their garden, um, or using it to make a foot scrub. Or <laughs> uh, yeah, mixed with a bit of coconut oil, it makes a great foot scrub. Um, but, no, I never uh, knew but, that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite good. It smells amazing too. But yeah, it's just it's there's something very satisfying I think about. Um, it's the way maybe just the way my mind works but i love the fact that something that's grown from a seed somewhere across the world has grown into that amazing beautiful plant produce those cherries then produce those beans and then they 
come to another part of the world where they're roasted and made into a lovely cup of coffee and then the grounds then go back to the earth somewhere else i love that i just yeah. think that's that's it's beautiful that's isn't it? I, I think it's i think it's an amazing journey and uh, um and you know there, there's a lot to be there's a lot of work to be done to make the whole process fair for everybody in the chain and um, there's a lot of work still to be done so that the people producing the coffee get a fair price for what they're doing because it's a lot of hard work um, but uh, and also transporting the coffee can be challenging. But I think um, that it, I think there's with enough with enough people and with enough will and determination. It's yeah. It's coffee should be sustainable and, and available to everybody um, uh, if these things are focused on. But yeah, that's that's what I like the journey. Fantastic, fantastic. And you know, as a plants person, the journey is is everything for me. It's the potential from a seed to then like you say the end yeah. of life going back into the earth so it can start all over again it's a beautiful thing yeah. vicky vicky weddle from money row beans i'm going to mention it again because you haven't mentioned it enough thank you so so much for your time this has been just the best conversation and even though it's quite late at night i'm now desperate for a latte <laughs> Oh, it's been so great talking to you. I, I could talk about coffee forever. So, uh, well, we so need yeah. to do that. We definitely need to do that when I come down <laughs> south next. Yeah. Thank you. And then I'll come up north and try some northern coffees too. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we brew them hard up here. <laughs> well, that's it. Thanks for listening. That's been another edition of Trials and Tribulations. Now, if you liked it, please subscribe and follow. But until next time, keep it green.